my. <clears throat> oh, my. Got some, you know, a lot of things going on. A lot of things going on. One of them is a nagging question that bothers me all the time. I, I just wonder about it because I've met a few people here and there. Good morning. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. I ask myself all the time, how can residents of so many na- of, of the largest cities here in the United States today that are made up of arguably very smart people keep supporting local officials who are destroying their community? How, how, how does that happen? And why in May, for example? Did Chicago, a city where you got 21,000 students who cannot demonstrate a basic competence in reading, science, and math, choose the teachers' union-backed candidate, Brandon Johnson, for mayor, especially when his chief opponent had promised the electorate sensible school reform? Why did San Francisco elect London Breed, whose obvious reluctance to crack down on the criminal behavior there has led to crack pipes and syringes and human excrement and people and, uh, you know, everybody pulling out, everybody dropping mortgages, declaring bankruptcy, tens of thousands of high-earning taxpayers are moving away. Why has there been no serious movement to get New York Governor Kathy Hochul to remove Alvin Bragg? The Manhattan District Attorney who refuses to prosecute a low-level crime, as he calls it, all while promising to downgrade felony charges and decriminalize resisting police arrest. Why did Los Angelinos pick another progressive Democrat to be their mayor, rather than the candidate who promised to finally do something about the exploding homeless problem? Well, I wonder about that, of course. I wonder about that, of course. And... uh well, it turns out a lot of other people have been wondering about it as well. In 1954, three academic psychologists, Stanford University's Leon Festinger, along with Henry Riken and Stanley Schachter, described a very different kind of social dysfunction, but it sort of helps us understand why an urban American refuses to demand a saner government where they live. Everybody should want to live where there's law and order, commerce, opportunity, Prosperity. Everybody should want to live there, but you know these guys. None of these guys are bringing it. None, none of these guys bring this to the forefront. Mister Festinger and his colleagues decided to follow the activities of a religious cult. His lady, the leader of that, claimed to have received messages from the planet Clarion. This warned of a massive flood that would engulf a wide area around Salt Lake City on December twenty-first of that year and promised that those who heeded the alert would be rescued by an alien spacecraft just before the catastrophe struck. So, these guys specialize in cognitive dissonance, the tension between what one believes will happen and what really transpires. And the three saw the alien prophecies, a rare chance to observe people who are clearly committed to a very unlikely outcome. Sort of sound, it sounds a lot like Heaven's Gate to me. And uh, some of the cult had already left their jobs so they could escape danger on the Clarion ship. Others had ended relationships, given away their savings, sold their stuff. All the researchers had to do was infiltrate the group and record the responses of the failed prophecy. And, of course, December 21st came and went, and nothing happened. And they had to wonder whether their leader had unintentionally misread the original alien message. Maybe she'd gotten the wrong day, maybe the wrong year. 
But then what happened later was what was interesting. Because while some who had been loosely attached to the cult from the beginning started to just drift away, right? They were like, oh, yeah, this is just, you know, it, 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 it never was true. The, more, the ones that really held strong beliefs became even more convinced of the initial prophecy. And they rationalized the lack of a flood and even seeking out new converts while they were doing it. Some went to TV and newspaper reporters to, with periodic predictions of a rescheduled alien landing. And the leader herself kept trying to contact them right up until her death in 1992. And what they figured out was this, is that when people encounter information which contradicts their view of reality, most of us are just going to adjust our thinking to logically accommodate what has happened. Now, those who really believe, well, they're going to do the exact opposite. They're going to entertain the even most far-fetched ideas preserve some semblance of their original belief. I see that a lot on both sides. I see it a lot on both sides. And according to the cognitive dissonance theory, it should come as no surprise that large numbers of city dwellers, the bluest of all Americans, would react to the failure of the left-wing social program by becoming even more progressive. So, anything that they've got going on that's bad right now, they'll double down on it and make it worse. <laughs> vote for it. And vote for it. You know, in the case of the K-12 education, declining test scores are not a reason to raise academic standards. Nope. We've got to talk about the white propaganda and focus instead on te- teaching school, school children about racial and gender inequity. Now, it does offer some hope for an eventual reversal And it tells us that those city dwellers who continue to vote for the irrational policy are doing so not because of a progressive vision they claim to be drawn to, but because of what they're trying to escape. Growing evidence that their political beliefs are untrue or unsustainable. They begin to believe, they they begin to wake up. The more extreme this is, the fewer can actually sustain this for any long term. And the dwindling number, number of those who can simply, you know, a lot of them will simply end up being isolated and less influential. The bad news is this can take a whole lot of time. <laughs> a whole lot of time. Especially if any city voters are affluent enough to shield themselves from the consequences of bad policymaking. I run into this all the time. I'll I'll ask a guy, why are you living in New York? They'll be like, this is my home. There's a way to fight this. We can fight this from the inside. The only thing that can accelerate the decline of urban progressivism, according to the cognitive dissonance theory, is some event that invites outside intervention. So if, for example, the exodus of more sensible residents combined with deteriorating business conditions were to create a financial crisis, sort of like what you see now. Left-wing voters will undoubtedly complain they're being forced to accept unconscionable, inhumane, and racist programs in return for a bailout, just as many New Yorkers did when both the state and Congress helped the Big Apple through its 1975 fiscal crisis. They'll never admit that they've been given a gift of being able to say that their progressive ideas could have worked if only they'd been given enough time to do so. So they get to keep their ideology without having to put up with the self-destructive end result that they should be putting up with. (laughs) So, um, 
On the text line, I'm being asked, the GOP provides no opposition candidates. The massive fraud has been rampant locally forever. Okay. A few more details, if you please. And also, what would you... What would give you the impression that the election results in blue areas have any correlation to the ballots cast? I have no idea. I'm just going by, uh, you know, empirical data. So I, I, I don't know if that actually, I don't know if that actually explains things. Sort of does. This is Stockholm syndrome on a on a community basis, on a community scale, where they just get out there and they're like, "Well, the problem is we didn't do enough." Which you know, I face that on a daily basis, as you do too. <laughs> so, having that in mind, we'll we'll uh, plow ahead because. They're going to have to get to the point to where they just can't stand it anymore. They're going to have to reach rock bottom. And unfortunately, when they reach rock bottom, like I was talking about yesterday, it will probably have a ripple effect and we'll probably feel it. And for those of you that have built up a really nice 401k, or for those of you that are living off of a really nice 401k, uh, if you're still invested in this, if you haven't pulled it out, then it's going to diminish because some of these fund operators have put a lot of money in commercial real estate. And when that bubble burst, and it's not even a bubble, I mean, nobody wants to work in a big city no more. So we get to watch. I, I, You know, that's one of those things where you're sitting back and you're like, what can we do about it? Oh, we can't do anything but watch. Since today is 2A Tuesday, we're going to talk about how the anti-gun people regard you if you carry a gun. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. There is a specter that exists in most of the states of the United States today that makes crime go down. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Uh, here is one thing I will tell you, and I tell you this: uh, I say this to you freely, you know, just so you know. Um, if you see me out and about, unless I am in a police station or a a courtroom or something like that, I'm probably carrying a gun. Now, what does that mean? What does this make me? What does this make me to be? You know, the New York Times says that social scientists are examining why people want guns, and their conclusion is, uh, well, it's 
I guess you could say it's a bad uh, a bad one uh, for gun owners because according to the New York Times, uh, gun owners are insecure, paranoid, suicidal, and trigger happy. But it's all just nonsense. It's called why it's an essay. They wrote an essay about this. Um, why some Americans buy guns. And this is to explain how sociologists are just beginning to understand who's buying guns and how gun ownership makes them feel. Well, <laughs> um, and this is because of, of, of three years. It's because of three years. Not 2019, 2020, 2021. Okay? Let's call those the, uh, the COVID Antifa BLM years. Between 2019 and 2020, gun sales rose by 64%. Homicides increased from 14,392 to 19,350. But uh, when everybody uses a different calculation to come to one thing, that's a suspicious thing to look at to begin with. Because sales rose by 64%, homicide rose by 34%. And this 2020 was a year that Democrats destroyed policing, while leftist prosecutors turned the criminal justice system into a revolving door. So, as the police pulled back, and as the criminals came forth, people started buying guns. And now, it's, you know, gun owners are everybody. I mean... Um, and we get this. Of the 7.5 million who bought their first firearm during that period, a survey found 5.4 million had until then lived in homes without guns. And the new buyers were different from the white men <laughs> who historically made up a majority of gun owners. Half were women and nearly half were people of color. 20% were black, 20% were Hispanic. Now, sociological science which is decidedly unscientific, uh, managed to nail the primary reason for these new buyers that were in, a gun mar- in the gun market. It was self-defense. Or, as they say in the essay, paranoia. I say aware. Uh, but we get this. But a study of individuals who said they were planning to purchase a first or second firearm during the early days of the pandemic found that would-be buyers were more likely to see the world as dangerous and threatening than individuals who were not planning to purchase a firearm. That's a pretty stupid thing to say. I mean, that's, that's uh, thank you, Captain Obvious. Um, I mean, those planning to buy firearms were more likely to agree strongly with statements that people can't be trusted, people are not what they seem, you need to watch your back, compared to those not planning a purchase. Buyers were also more fear, fearful of uncertainty. They tended to strongly agree with the statements, such as unforeseen events upset me greatly, and I don't like not knowing what comes next. So the Times writer finds it incomprehensible that without police, people would fear predators and take steps to protect themselves. Um, most gun carriers that I know um, would probably prefer not to. I would prefer to live in a world, and I've said this many times before, and it's, it's, a, it's a stupid thing to say, but I'd prefer to live in a world where we have managed to attain warp speed and the Vulcans have come down and we've joined the Federation. I would, I would much prefer that to what we have today. Because what we have today is no different than in ancient times, in the times of Cain and Abel, in the biblical times. The nature of man 
has never changed. Let's go to the phones. Alan and Greer, yes, sir. How are you doing first this morning? I'm doing very good, sir. How are you? Very good. Uh, I, I write uh, with two other authors on the subject you're speaking of quite often. Uh, yes, sir. I won't mention where we go. I don't want to, you know, uh, do that. But okay. uh, a lot of the information, it, it, even in the article you're, you're quoting, um, they don't give you the, the, the raw data. They don't give you anything like that. No. Uh, and they've been lying since 1990s <laughs> on this issue. Right. Yeah. Um, the old routine is uh, I have a conclusion and the data fits my conclusion. Well, they, they set the conclusion out there where they want it to be. Then they set up the they set up the study behind it to to justify the conclusion. Would you agree? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, as you know, John Lott always counters a lot of this stuff. Yes. Um, constantly, I... and uh, we're working on some new papers right now to go into the local stuff, but. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a joke because they're lying left and right, lying with statistics from the old book of the late 1950s. Right. You name it, they do it. I really wish I really wish you would contact, if you're doing this, I really wish you would contact some of these state legislators. Because when we were talking, when, when uh, uh, what is it, permitless carry was up for consideration in the Senate, I called one senator and I told him a couple of things off of John Lott's research. And it was like, it was like a eureka moment, and then I got John Lott to call him, and it was it was just you know it, it was stunning. Like I never knew this existed, uh, um, you know. Our politicians don't have a clue. They're out there making laws and rules and regulations about what's going on, but they don't have a clue what they're talking about. I really wish that you, if you're writing about this kind of stuff in the in the vein of Crime Prevention Research Center, you should be throwing it out there and, and inviting all of our legislators to take a look. I really appreciate that. I, I have done that. I've sent emails to them. Um, but, but as you know, with a politician, many of them write laws about many things that they don't know anything about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Well, anyway, anyway, enjoy the day. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for the call. Thank you for the call. Uh, here's the bottom line on this. Guns, for, for people like me, a gun is a tool. The gun that I carry, it, it achieves the end result that I'm looking for. It is, it's going to be a combination of weight, size, and accuracy, and ease of use. So if it's shootable, if it's easy to hide, uh, if it doesn't weigh me down too much, if I can carry it and and run a you know a standard legitimate day without it impeding me in any way, that's the, yeah, that's the gun I'm going to carry. Sometimes I carry bigger ones than that, but you know that's that's you know. So the tool is not important. What is important is the fact that we know that just based on the CDC data, when they came out with it, they said, well, 3 million defensive gun uses a, a year. That's 6,000 a day. That's in the 6,000s. So 6,000 times a day, somebody like you who hasn't gone to gunfighting school and you're not walking around going, well... You're not you're not notching your pistol because of all the gunfights you've been in. But somebody like you is going to be out there some six thousand times today, and they're going to stop a crime with a gun because the cops aren't there. Because the cops are never going to be there. The cops show up later. They do not show up in the commission of the crime. They can't. First of all, now a lot of them are just riding the desk, riding it out till the pension, because of the way they've been attacked. So nobody's coming. We know this. People that carry guns, we know this. Alan knows this. Nobody's coming. 
So those of us that carry guns, we've taken it upon ourselves to make it harder for somebody else to kill me or you or whatever or whoever. And that's it. There is no greater killer in the world than the government. Governments kill more people than anybody else. Hurricane, you know, just look at Hurricane Katrina when, you know, when the, when, when the chips were down, where were the cops? Look at the L.A. riots. When the chips were down, where, where were the cops? And, of course, this is the New York Times, anyway. I'm thinking Hollywood might be in the middle of that death rattle. I'm trying to find a way to care about that. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Well, you live and learn. I, I was looking at the text line. Uh, GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Alan, that just called in. If you would be so kind, call it back in and leave your number for me, please. On the text line, I'm being asked about a scenario where you would use a concealed carry weapon. In South Carolina, let's start with that, because South Carolina law is going to change what 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 is works in South Carolina, what is legal in South Carolina, may not be legal in Georgia, may not be legal in North Carolina. In South Carolina, we have Castle Doctrine. So that means that wherever you can be, as long as you're not involved in unlawful activity, your car, the shopping mall, your house, you have no duty to retreat. Item number one. Now, a scenario. If I'm walking into the Richardson Street garage and uh, we're coming up on my car and there's a group of utes around my car and they demand my car, they get the keys. And I stand back and let them take the car. Their thug lives are not, my truck is not worth their thug lives. This is why I have, you know, full coverage insurance. If, on the other hand, they come up on me and they've got knives, or there's three or four of them, or whatever. If there's a disparity of force present, whatever it is, if they're now threatening, threatening, threatening me bodily, I have no duty at all to retreat, and I have no duty to try to talk them down or anything. I can go straight to the weapon and present. Now, whenever you do brandish a weapon at somebody, if it's not in a self-defense situation, that is a felony. I think it is. I, it used to be. I don't know if it still is or not. Um, for, so for a concealed carrier, uh, you, you know, when you present a gun, it has to be in a self-defense situation. It cannot be in a defense of property. Property is, uh, you know, and trust me on that one. You, if somebody's going to steal your truck, let them have it. Just let them have it. Now, if they're going to, if you're in your truck and they want to hurt you while they're taking the truck, uh, okay. Castle Doctrine. Present. Get the sight picture, and go. And be and, pre, and this is a thing. And anybody that does carry a gun today, if you're not already set for this, you should be. You should do everything you possibly can to avoid going to a gun. 
everything, everything you possibly can, you should avoid that because once you do that, you will remember, you will remember it forever and a few people are going to help you remember it. Now in South Carolina, if it looks like self-defense when they get there, when you do call the police, when it gets there, the second phone call you make should be to your lawyer, to your to your lawyer when the when the police show up uh try to control what's going to happen because you're going to go into this big physiological change if you're a normal human being there's going to be projectile vomiting you're going to cry it's going to be like a waterfall you're going to get the shakes you know you're going to get the jitters you're going to be looking around you're, you're not going to be really in control of yourself if you are more power if you are more power to you but um Oh, come on. Don't say that. On the text line, somebody say, my car is worth more than somebody else's life. No, it isn't. It isn't. Because when you shoot somebody, that's something that stays. Shooting somebody is like getting AIDS. It will stay with you for the rest of your days in one way, shape, or another. And especially if you carry a gun, if you continue to carry a gun after you do that. So uh, the self-defense thing, this is the specter, though, in South Carolina, because we know that we have a concealed carry permit law. That does, the one thing that, that, that perpetrators don't fear, the cops, because the cops roll up and they got to follow a set of rules and, and, and procedures. You can shoot at cops as long as you want to, and then as soon as you put your weapon down, they got to stop trying to fight you in an existential manner and just take you into custody. Civilians don't have, I, you know, we don't, we don't have that. Uh, people that aren't cops don't have the uh, those those shackles on us when when it comes to that. If, if it's very simple, if we feel like we're in danger of imminent bodily harm or death, and we don't have to even take any punches. Do you understand that? You don't have to take any punches for it to to escalate into self defense and go from there to lethal force because of something called disparity of force. Unless some some dude rolls up on me and says, uh, hey, how you doing there? I, too, have had open-heart surgery. I, too, have uh, gained weight and lost weight and all this other stuff and had problems with my back and all these other things. I, too, have done all of this. Unless I meet a physical equal, I'm probably going to be meeting somebody that is superior to me physically because I'm 62 years old. I've had a few things done. Uh, you know, I, the, the wear and tear on the body has uh, taken its toll. So, you know, most people are coming up on me physically are going to be much more impressive. So, disparity of force, when that is present, that is a scenario where if you feel like you're in the middle of disparity of force, and that that is present when you have more people there, when you have younger people there, when you have, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things that can become disparity of force. I need to get I need to get uh, my guy back on the show and and, and we we need to discuss this. I need to get the ins and outs cuz I don't really know. I don't really know. But I do know what they are in a sort of a, you know, national fashion. I don't like talking about that nearly as much as you might think I do simply because uh of what it does to you if you do it. That should be the last thing you want to do. Although, by all means, be prepared. Be prepared. I'm not saying don't carry a gun. I'm not saying don't use it. I'm saying be prepared. 
because a lot of things come with that. A lot of things come with that. And I'm not worried about it, me personally. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. Another thing that I do, uh, because, uh, you know, I carry a trauma kit as well. So, you know, I got I got the good and the bad with me. I guess that's okay. We'll get to Hollywood when we get back. Let's talk about Hollywood when we get back. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. All right, we're going to do a little time management here. Let's jump straight to the phones. Robert in Clinton. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Hello, Mr. Frady. Hello. I got a question for you. Okay. Do you think in a, at least in, in a slight fashion, that the reason our General Assembly did not vote on constitutional carry this time is because, and take this the way I mean it, sure. they know South Carolinians. You know where I'm from. <laughs> I know people walking around that should not be by themselves. Right. right. Much right. less carrying, can't be with 20 feet within a firearm. Also, I see them coming to my favorite FFL dealer every day and get right. turned down again and again because they ain't right. To be honest with you, do they the background check? Also, yeah. Okay. Sometimes they're just looking to see if there's a warrant on. I <laughs> <laughs> go figure. <laughs> anyway, right? Yeah, you know. And uh, but I have seen two cases myself of maybe not brandishing, but slapping your gun and giving the clerk at the store the finger. Like, yeah, that's you going to talk. You talking to me? That's that's a little irresponsible. You know? That's really irresponsible to do that. And then well, in, in answer to your guy. in answer to your question, in answer to your question, I will tell you this. Okay, uh, anybody that wants to carry a gun in South Carolina is going to carry it anyway. Would you agree with that? Yes, I do. I'm, anywhere, I mean. Uh, I've, I've talked to people in New York, and you find out how many legal guns are in New York, and then you ask them how many illegal guns are in New York, because a lot of good people in New York just can't get a permit, right, because they're, it's politicized. And there's lots right. of illegal guns there because people are going to find a way to do it. So in in the case of what you're talking about, my here's, here's my, my thought on this. If somebody can't be out in public without a custodian, they definitely should not have a gun. Okay, if, if they can't, if they cannot exactly. control themselves, and that should be something that, uh, it, but it's impossible to police that. It's impossible to police that because who's going to decide who those people are? There's some people well, that are just goofy, player. right? Correct, and uh, you know, I, westerns are Hollywood, but you know they used to. <laughs> Right? Where you got to lose your six gun before you go into the saloon, but right, 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 right. You know, park it with the sheriff because you had itchy fingers. And I've seen a lot of young ones, and this is going to get me in trouble. But call me Boomer, all right? I'm the sure. one feeding you. 
uh, <laughs> uh, they, they fire a gun and the first thing they start doing is modifying it and glamorizing it and you know glitter on a Glock just ain't manly or even well, womanly really. well I haven't, I haven't seen that I've seen a couple of uh, ladies that like to bling their gun up but I haven't seen the guys do it most of the time when I see a guy that gets a gun if it's a handgun they might put an optic on it and a flashlight and to me, that sort of defeats the whole purpose of, a, purpose of having a handgun. If you're going to put all that stuff on it, I don't. I don't run a gun with a flashlight mounted to it just because of that. But uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. A lot of it has to do with irresponsibility and lack of experience, and just sheer stupidity on the case. And the inexperience and stupidity is is yeah. In in some cases, it's strong with some of these people. So yes, I don't disagree right. with you on anything you said. Yeah, we already have a drinking problem. In South Carolina, that we shouldn't be proud of. Yeah. Don't mix nothing that goes bang with it. Well, I mean, when I'm carrying, when I'm out and about, and I'm carrying a gun, I don't consume any alcohol at all. Any. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that, well, that, I that's mean that's that's that's, and all I can do, and all you can do is take, you know, make sure of you and everything. How how does the signal make? How does it sound in Clinton? Oh man, it's fantastic! It was good before. Yeah. Now it's coming through on my dental work. Okay. I mean, seriously, y'all are booming. They even hear you in the community of Budlick, which exists. Ha! It's a Revolutionary War site. Check it out. Yeah. Off of yep. Old Bush River Road and Noberry County. I have. Uh, if you if you know this, the main drag between Clinton that goes to Joanna. Yes. Past all the mills, there's a there is a cemetery there where there are many of my family members laid to rest. That's where uh, all all of all of the Freydies that I come from, they all started, and for some reason they moved to that mill, to that plant there in Joanna, and uh, all the siblings and everybody went forth from there. So a lot of my a lot of my loved ones are just down the street from you. Well, I hope I'm not insulting any of your kinfolk. You're and not. I disparage some of the other realities of life that I see on a daily basis. Yeah, well, that's uh, reality. You cannot, you cannot dispute reality without a doubt. But in, in any event, I, I agree. I agree. I, reality, reality is not hate, and uh, facts are not racial and all that other nonsense. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. But I mean, it's it becomes one of those things where we have to sit back and say, okay, who's going to be the decider? Who's going to be the one making that call? So, uh, in the if I was in a place where somebody slapped his gun and 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 started saying you want some of this, he might get thrown in a rear naked choke and disarmed when he woke up. He might, because that's that's exactly. I, that's not something I, I I could not sit back and just go oh well you know he's just a kid okay no big deal yeah because one day he might just actually do that so that might be a lesson in reality that he might need. Exactly. I'm still big enough. Listen, to if man, I get thank the, if you. I, yeah. Thank you for the call. Clinton, South Carolina. A lot of my people are in Clinton. We're in Clinton. They're still in Clinton. They're still in Joanna. In perpetuity. Rest in peace, all of you. So, but we're not going to have time to get into what I was going to talk about. But, you know, we will get to that in just a minute. However, what we are going to talk about is uh, we're going to talk about... I I still haven't figured out yet what uh, the whole... Where we draw... Where, where's the parameters for the LBGT 
what whatever it is. So now this is it's changed. It's now the two S L G B T Q Q I A plus movement. How on earth do you guys expect us to keep up with this? I don't even have a. I'm going to, have to carry a notebook. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.